welcome to another edition. Mr. Nice Guy, I'm Ben Slowey, and I'm joined this morning by a DJ and producer um, who uh, has been was active in the Melbourne bounce scene, and uh, he um, goes by the name Haunted House, and I'm excited to talk to him about his passions, artistry, and why he does what he does. Thank you very much, Eric, for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm okay. Uh, I <sighs> sip of coffee. Um, I am not good. Um, I got to see uh, two good friends that I don't get to normally see last night, and that was fun. Uh, I got my breaking and entering writing done this morning already. And uh, now I got a couple podcasts this afternoon, uh, so let's um, let's get into it. So, Eric, what we talk about on Mister Nice Guy, we talk love and fear, passion and creativity. And so, I'd heard of you um, because, like, I it tends to be how I find most people these days. It's just Facebook, social media, and um, we first met actually in person. Um, at a Black Lives Matter protest uh, last summer um, during the uh, George Floyd uprisings. It was uh, you and, um, does she pronounce her name Kaylee or Callie? Callie. Callie, okay. Yes. Yeah, I, your partner Callie was there. Um, mm -hmm. who I, I knew of her um, through the internet as well. So it was our, my first time meeting both of you. Um, but uh, yeah, I was reading about what you what you do, and uh, it seems like uh, you know how to party, man. So um, <laughs> I'm excited to talk about it. Um, so where we uh, usually start is uh, where are you originally from? Um, I'm originally from Milwaukee. Um, my parents moved over towards Racine, Caledonia area, and then uh, I ended up uh, gravitating towards the city as soon as I turned 21 honestly I loved dance music I loved uh going to the rave when I was a kid and uh first uh concert I ever ended up watching was uh Steve Aoki at the rave for uh with his uh with Waka Flocka and them years ago and uh I don't know I looked at it and, and I just I fell in love with the scene with dance music and I just kept coming back to the city and moving and trying to make music uh, oh, that's, that's awesome. Um, what kind of music did you listen to growing up? Growing up, honestly, and you're probably gonna think this is kind of strange, but um, my mom and my dad were, uh, they, they grew up uh, in like the 60s. My dad's 75 years old and my mom's 62, I believe. And uh, they would always play like oldies and like jazz music, uh, big band music, Frank Sinatra and I would actually, I still to this day, listen to those while driving around. I just love the sound. I love the energy as well as the fact that it's uh, really dynamic. And I love just uh, the vibe of a lot of old music. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. I like the grainy aesthetic of oldies for sure. Um, there's like a nostalgic element to it. A nostalgia that we weren't actually there for, but it mm -hmm. still feels, you know, um, dope. 
Um, yeah, but even so, though we're in the older generation, you're still going to end up having that feeling where if you're, you know, you're, you got a fireplace going, you're probably going to want to play some Frank Sinatra just, just for ambience. Even if you don't know who it is, you're still going to play it. Totally. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, so you said uh, Steve Aoki was the one that did it for you, right? Um, I, I wouldn't say that he's the one that did it for me. Um, that was actually my first introduction into like, in, into like house music because um i was always listening to like techno kind of beats like um uh dj melody stuff like that just like really like just poppy kind of beats that didn't weren't from around here um but when i first saw steve aoki it kind of led me into the genre of house music and then that ended up allowing me to migrate myself into the style that i have accumulated for myself right that's cool. I, my friends and I like kind of got into EDM around like my senior year of high school. Um, like when I was like 18, cause we would go to Lollapalooza every year. Um, and like, have you ever been to Lala? Uh, yeah, actually my best friend took me a few years back. It's, uh, it's crazy how they have so many genres like crammed into one area. It's just nuts. Yeah, that Harry's stage where like most of the EDM artists are like, there's people that would just spend all weekend there. <laughs> like it's it's madness over there. But that's kind of oh, yeah, how just I, like the campers. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, like I honestly kind of got into some EDM through like going to that stage. You know, like I saw, um, I saw like Flux Pavilion perform there uh jaws um uh excision we saw galantis we saw um lindsey sterling like though like they brought in some pretty unique artists um through through there but oh and iggy azalea she was there too um gotta throw her in yeah of course um but uh yeah stevie okay he has that one song of uh, boneless that's what it's called yeah boneless i remember that was actually the album that he released during that tour so it was yeah. cool hearing that for the first time i love how the horns are in that track yeah i remember that song we used to just drive around we would be doing absolutely nothing but we would just be driving around listening to that and thought it was like we just we would make videos of doing all these weird dances to that song and then we we listen to a lot of keys and crates too. Oh yeah, keys and crates. Um, you know, I I don't know. I I never really ventured into the uh, uh, what would what would you what would you consider keys and crates sound to be? Yeah, I, I'm not quite. I guess I'd have to like look it up to like give you. It's it's like it's really like flowy kind of. It's like I I don't know. I've always had like a, like a high energy to like the stuff that I would listen to. It just it, usually like I drop past 128. Sometimes I'll go into like twerk music or even if uh, into old hip hop. But I just I I can't get with the uh, the flowy vibe. It's just it, it's just not me. It's it may be great for other people, and I'm glad that everybody has their own musical choice in it. But it's just it's the the flowy sound. It's well produced. It's great, and honestly, I don't understand for the life of me how they do it, but. It's just, it's not my particular sound, you know? Yeah, no, I get that for sure. hundred percent. Um, yeah, like, um, and I'm not even like 
super into EDM these days, but it's just a really fun live experience for me. Or like if I'm oh, at yeah. the club, you know, like I love, I do love house music and I love techno. What was kind of your like, um, your like aha moment where you realized like you wanted to start DJing and um, producing? I guess which, did you start with the DJing? Uh, yeah, I actually started um, when I was probably around like 12, 12 or 11, somewhere around there. Um, I saw a video from uh, DJ Craze. And uh, it was just one of his uh, turntablist routines. So I ended up putting some money together and bought a really, really crappy set of turntables that uh, had a plastic platter and it, it was, they were just terrible. And uh, I sat there and I practiced whatever I could till I can, till I learned how to do all the intricate and technical scratches that I get, got to at this point in my life. And, uh, it just, uh, I, I don't know, after, after seeing that, and then I really wanted to figure out a way to broadcast myself without pretty much being on the internet because my mom and my dad instilled in me that uh, you put yourself on the internet, somebody's going to kill you. So uh, I would end up uh, looking around, trying to figure out what I could do, talking to anybody who would throw me a bone, going into the rave and uh, made friends with uh, Dylan. Um, I can't remember his last name. It, it was years ago. Making friends with Dylan. Um, another uh, another person would be Bob Aker, a friend of mine who uh, worked really close with Stellar Spark for years. And um, it, it got me into it. It pushed me forward. And I just one day jumped up and just said, I'm going to do it. It was something that was just cool. And it just it, oddly enough, it makes you feel made me feel kind of like a rock star, and that was kind of like the thing I was trying to go for at that moment. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's a great feeling. It's how you know, like, when you get that feeling, that's like when you realize, like, exactly what you know you're meant to be doing out here. Um. So, when did you become Haunted House? Where did that come from? Um. It, that originally came from, uh, I guess, uh, the, um, uh, if one thing that a lot of people know about me is that uh, the movie The Nightmare Before Christmas has always been a reoccurring theme in my life. And it's like the pumpkin tattoos and I have the whole Nightmare Before Christmas going up. Mm. It's always been, uh, it was a movie that I used to watch when I was a baby. I would fall asleep to it if I couldn't, uh, if I couldn't sleep. Um, at one point I memorized the entire words to it and it's just, it, I, I thought it'd be something that was fitting. It's just something that like, it really speaks to me, like, uh, the kind of cartoony, don't take it serious, but keep like a, like a, like a darkish kind of cartoony theme to it. And that's always been how I kind of try to live my life in a weird sense. Yeah. Just not taking a lot of stuff too seriously and try to be as happy and resilient as I can. I love that. That's dope. Um, yeah, uh, I kind of try to live my life similarly. Um, like my parents uh, kind of raised me to like laugh at everything, even the shitty things, you know, mm -hmm. and like, I think that kind of instilled a love for like, just absurdist humor and shit like that. Yeah. But, um, 
Yeah, I'm ashamed to say I've only seen The Nightmare Before Christmas like one time. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was in college um, and it was like I was watching movies that, you know, I should have seen growing up, but I didn't. But that was one yeah. of them. Maybe I'll have to watch it again, you know. <laughs> I, I always recommend it. It's uh, like I said, it, I, the music in it, too, is just uh it's really beautiful. Danny Elfman is a very great composer. I love like uh, his use of like flails and his use of like sweeping throughout like all the string choir. It's just a lot of really dope like sound changes. And it's just, it's really honestly visually and audio and the audio on it. It's just, it's honestly a really great story and it was presented in a very well manner. Dope, dope, well. I admire your critique and I will uh I will revisit it at some point for sure. Um so you can uh, listen to the soundtrack. Honestly. Oh yeah, that's true. The sound too. the soundtrack on it, honestly, even by itself is just it's a really beautiful composer. Right. Okay. So well, that's awesome. Um when when did you like start going as haunted house? Like when did, when was that? um officially that had to have been let's see i believe probably around 2014 actually okay 2014 is when i actually adopted the moniker and then uh at that point uh just tried to build a brand try to build who i was trying to figure out at that point in my life I was doing a lot of uh learning about myself as well as learning about like business and everything else so a lot of it just comes crashing in at once so understanding all of that together just it it, it was a process for sure yeah um so tell me about just some of like your gigs that you know you look back on that were really like uh, monumental for you I know you said you played at the rave um excuse me um the honestly the the rave was actually my very first uh set of gigs that i actually did um it was like uh, i remember i did the valentine's day show the glow event show all those those were like the first things that i actually pushed myself into um but the most memorable event was actually the first time that i actually got to take on a uh headliner slot um i cannot for the life of me remember what event it was it's on my facebook page somewhere but it, it i don't know the, i remember the very first song i played was actually the uh melbourne bounce track that was called bounce army and i don't know why it just kind of like set off the whole night but for some reason that track in that moment is the most vivid thing in my mind from that actual memory itself and uh it from there moving forward i ended up getting uh i ended up one day traveling over to the miramar for a show um i think it was flux pavilion oh yeah i remember when they played there yeah i think it was flux pavilion that was there um i ended up making friends with uh do you know vj bry yeah yeah i i know often yeah yeah um ended up making friends with him and uh he, I told him that I was a DJ and I was trying to, uh, to meet, uh, I ended up wanting to meet, uh, the owner of, uh, site one a, which was Chris V at that moment in time. 
And uh, he pushed, uh, he ended up bringing me back and I ended up meeting him. I got to give my uh, demo CD to him. And uh, he ended up one year bringing in TJR, who's I've always been in, like an enormous fan of. Mm. And uh, that's like the pinnacle of me doing any of my gigs. I've never, I, I've never been so happy to see somebody play tracks that I've always wanted to hear live, like right there. That's awesome. That's killer, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, excuse me. Um, I used to, uh, I lived next to the Miramar, um, at one point and like, I didn't go to a lot of shows there, but we did throw, like, I was part of a DIY recording studio and like, we threw a show there and like, that's such a like pinnacle place, like to kind of get that sense that like, you can actually do something really dope. Because a place is like, I mean, it's like a historic venue and, you know, so many like monumental artists that have come through there and played shows either as they were like getting their career started or even when they've already been established, there's still like some pretty uh, high profile artists that have come through there. Dude, ICP was there. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I heard about that. The Mar is like, you know it's i mean it's no secret that there's you know a literal like family that uh like a creative chosen family that um you know accumulates in that place because like you said i mean people's dreams get uh quenched there okay um tell me a little bit about like when you started making music of your own like when you started producing um well, when I first started producing, I, uh, I I made like little beats here and there, but I honestly didn't start really diving into it until after I went to college. Um, I went to SAE for audio engineering and um, it, it, it opened my eyes to a whole different world of things that you could, that, that is possible with audio and it uh, going SAE. SAE. What is that? S- SAE Chicago. It's um, the chapter. It's a Chicago chapter of the School of Audio Engineering. There's uh, several different stu- se- there's several different SAEs. There's one, I believe, in California, Florida, and then Chicago, and then a bunch of other places that they had pinned on a map that I can't remember where. Okay. I got you for sure. Dope. So you went there. Um, yeah. And um, it. It, it, talking with the teachers who were like uh, Johnny Rayborn, um, who Johnny Bravo has produced some Grammy nominated uh, tracks. And then we've got like other teachers who made sound packs for, for high top level artists. And it's just, it, the, the school was absolutely nuts, but just hearing little tips and tricks from them and picking up on little things that I could have fixed in my productions. Yeah made it really it made it more like made it easier and also gave me a lot more challenges because learning learning the way learning to make music there's a formula you can you can follow an exact formula and it will it, if you do it correctly it will sound good but if you want to make something unique and something yours you have to sit there and dig and find and pull out whatever sound you have that makes yours unique and adding more tools to the list of things that I needed to add to it 
just it, it I, I started digging and crunching in and just overthinking it and holding on to projects for so long that it just people would just tell me just release the thing you've been hanging on to this for too long you've been tweaking the same snare for like six years drop it <laughs> yeah yeah hmm. I get that though um there's a lot of artists that get stuck with that for sure um so that being said um so have you like um have you made any like official releases um as haunted house like in the last couple of years um i did do a couple personal releases i was uh actually working with a company that was called title um i was going to be doing a couple releases on there but um i guess just after time i guess i just kind of fell off of it i didn't really uh i didn't keep up with my end on it it's just I think a lot of that was a lot of self-doubt at that point in time. I was going like gung-ho at it for so long at that point in time and doing releases, just giving my mix to anybody who would listen, uh, any openers that I would do or any openings I do give, in, give out, uh, just give out demo CDs or give out my emails so that I could contact them and talk with them, see what they think of it. Mm. And uh at that point in time, I was also just starting to get off of uh, just kind of, I guess, taking a step back because uh, I actually ended up finding myself that I was drinking way too much. Mm -hmm. I was doing too many things that I shouldn't have done. And uh, I realized I sort of lost myself in a lot of it. Um, it, then uh, after I kind of started falling off of that, I never really stopped making music. It just, I stopped kind of like appearing around, but I'd still make stuff and just still create and do things. I just found, I found that it was easier for me to take a step back and try to get myself back together because uh, I did end up falling off a deep end a little bit mm -hmm. and it, uh, it moved me and then after I became a year or two sober, I decided to hop back in and I made a couple releases that were uh, just personal releases, but uh, it, the new track that I actually have finished right now, I plan on doing a couple, uh, just sending out a couple emails to a couple old friends and seeing if I can get, uh, seeing what the possibility of a release on a small label would be. Right. Well, send it to me if you're comfortable. Uh, I would love to feature it on Breaking Entering, man. Oh, yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, we we need to get more uh, house and techno and EDM, that kind of stuff. Like, we need more of that on the site. So <laughs> that would be that would be dope. Um, well, you know, obviously, you know, take your time, no rush. But uh, that's cool that, you know, you're working on, you're still, you know, fresh in the, um, you're still like breathing fresh air into new stuff. I mean, I know that some people can be kind of hard to find motivation to create right now, mm -hmm. world on fire. And that being said, that leads to my next question is um, like, what have you been up to like uh, during the pandemic? Um, I mean, I know that obviously shows aren't really a thing right now. Like, have you been doing anything like, um, 
like yeah I guess what have you been up to mostly honestly um what I've been up to is practice Hmm. um I've been practicing a lot of refining a lot of my skills on turntables refining uh ideas that I have for routines refining ideas that I have for uh show ideas for future dates um I actually made a little promise I guess to myself that I'm going to start after my birthday starting Monday on my birthday I want to start releasing more content again I want to start pushing myself back to the level where I was at back then mm-hmm. um that so just in, in doing that as well as uh being a marketing director for uh pride organization in Kenosha for Kenosha Pride and um it just it taking time to like refine all the skills that I needed as a artist to push myself forward and get myself to a better level yeah that's the best you can best thing you can do right now um I would hope that most people are doing that too um great so um I'd love to hear a little bit about more about like some of like your favorite artists some of the ones that are inspiring you right now um honestly my favorite artists who I've it, it, it jumps around because um, I do love listening to like Melbourne Bounce and stuff like that. Uh, there's all the ones who I used to listen to and still listen to TJR, Timmy Trumpet, all them. Those are all like big artists that have like really good sounds in the industry. But oddly enough, I take my inspiration for music that I write as well as like songs that I play for more of a melodic standpoint. Um, there's a style of music it's called hands up hands up music and it's uh you're it's basically Eurobeat, but they speed it up a little bit and um the the melodies and like it, it just the overall positivity of the actual music is a lot is very inspiring to me so there's artists like manian um there's uh who else we got we have Manian's the one who I've been listening to a lot lately, uh, techno rocker, um, and the list just goes on. There's a hands up music has been around for years and, uh, the Italo brothers, they're actually a really big group that I listen to. Um, I take a lot of inspiration from like, I guess, happier sounding tracks. So it's always been a really, that kind of music's always been around. And like, I've always known that it has this, uh, it, it just has this like energy. It's just, it, it, it's all positivity. And it's just something that I, I usually pull out when I'm producing. Mm-hmm. So that's why like, no matter how hard I try, I can't make anything evil sounding. Yeah. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried so hard. It just, it, it does not work in that favor. I just, I, I wanna, my, my idea is just to bring positivity to whatever I do. And if something I make, makes people smile or makes people happy then that's literally all i wanted out of it yeah dude that's beautiful that's a great mindset man um thank you yeah we need that need that more than ever right now all you can get Mm -hmm. um tell me about the melbourne bounce scene you want to talk a little bit more about that um honestly it's actually grown a lot so um 
they're really uh, when I first listened it when I first started playing that music like people knew of it but it's not really it really wasn't much of a really wasn't much of a thing it's still like it's it's still one of those like niche kind of markets so it's like it's I know that I for prides and like for uh certain clubs and like just different it, it depends where you're playing it at but um it's it, it's got like a very interesting vibe to it it's it, it the the sounds re the sounds really kind of energetic and a lot of people here are more it like the midwest is dubstep and and like now we're at like twerk it's like a lot of low tempo stuff or like if it's high energy it's like a 160 or above it's just where how the midwest is so just getting to go to like house shows where like people could throw kind of stuff like into that. It's always been interesting and it's always been fun to watch. Um, when I started playing it, I was in the clubs and what I do is I throw on like just popular remixes like Iggy Azalea, uh, Nicki Minaj, all those things. You can find tracks that aren't like too aggressive with it. You can start gaining a little bit of a following on it because it's not, it's not too much, but it introduces them to a new sound that they're not used to. Yeah. So it was just, uh, I, I started playing shows and started getting around. I wouldn't shut up about me playing bounce music and I guess it sort of caught on, but yeah. um, it's, it, it's interesting. It's, it's nice to see like a little community start to grow on it. Yeah. Goes well with the positivity mantra you were talking about before. Um, dope. So last question I have for you is do you do you like still get nervous before gigs? Oh yeah, big time. Um actually uh the uh right when the pandemic hit um I it, it was just it was like at the point where they were they were still like slowly letting things shut down and we had to start where it was when we were starting wearing masks i was actually the very last gig that i did at my residency at club icon um and uh i don't really know what happened um i i started playing and then uh i guess wearing the mask I turned with my like plus with my claustrophobia that i have I uh, ended up going into a big panic attack. Mm. Couldn't breathe nothing. It was just uh it it, it was a uh, it it was a very hard time. And uh that's always kind of been one of my biggest fears. And um it it, it the nerves are always going to be there, uh especially when you're doing like live gigs and everything. Um I'm not going to say that it didn't kind of scar me a little bit on it because it, it was actually one of the first times where I felt like I inadequately did what I needed to do. But at the same time, dealing with the mental stress of the pandemic and everything else, it's just it, 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 it the, the nerves will always be there. It, there's if you're not going to do you're not ready for it if the nerves aren't there if you're too calm then you're not ready for any of the issues that could possibly come up but being with all that being said doing that it's just uh, even if for new gigs i'm going to be nervous 
but seeing what the worst could be and seeing what you can do when you take those nerves and like push them away is that's what's going to be the more rewarding of it really i feel that man that's real like i like how you um kind of how you sort of like restructured your whole mindset about it um where you took a bad situation and you know like clearly learned of how to be like okay you know this didn't go the way i wanted it to but i'm gonna do better next time and you know these things these things happen like you know we're, we're only human beings i still get nervous before every single podcast you know like yeah i got nervous four years you're right yeah yeah <laughs> I, I still you know i still um have those moments where i get i trap myself in my uh the immediacy of a situation and uh it's it's not good it doesn't feel good but i always remind myself that like grounding techniques like are there for a reason you know and uh water heavy breath or deep breaths yeah a lot of deep, yeah, learning big, those big on the deep breaths those are like honestly the saving grace for sure um, yeah just don't take those breaths too fast hyperventilating that's a thing i learned that <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, 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 definitely, man. Well, dude, uh, I appreciate you coming on the show today. Um, this is a uh, great. Honestly, thank you. Yeah, dude. On our way out, I ask everyone the same two questions. What keeps you up at night? What keeps me up at night? Uh, Cali. <laughs> Shout out to Cali. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, her and uh, I guess the only other thing that would keep me up at night is wondering what's going to happen on the next episode of Dragon Ball Z at this point. Oh, yeah. There you go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> what puts you to sleep? The Nightmare Before Christmas. Nightmare Before Christmas. Love it. Thanks again, Eric, for being on the show. Thank you very much, Ben. You bet. Uh, for everyone watching, be sure to check out Support Haunted House um, on uh, social media. And uh, we'll be looking forward to what he's got coming up, what he's cooking, uh, new music on the way, and uh, new we'll video be, routines, uh, tons of it. Yes, we'll be uh, yearning for the days where we can all listen to house music again. <laughs> um, God knows we need it. Uh, thanks for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah.